0: Welcome to the Pursuing Life Podcast, I'm your host, Monica Kirsch. Every week I'll be sitting down with people from the Calvary Church family to hear stories of what God is doing in, around, and through them as they take intentional steps to pursue life in Jesus Christ. We believe that storytelling is powerful. God has made himself known to us through the stories of the Bible. Jesus told parables, or small stories, to teach kingdom lessons to his followers. And God continues to write stories of his goodness and faithfulness through the lives and experiences of his church, ordinary people just like you and me. Work. We all do it. Whether it's to make a living, earn a diploma, or just simply to keep our yards looking presentable, there are tasks that we do day in and day out to tend to the world around us. Quite literally, to work is to exert effort directed to produce or accomplish something. But how should we approach work as followers of Jesus Christ? In Genesis 2, we read that God put man in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. But what does that mean? Throughout the Old Testament, including Genesis 2, the Hebrew word used for work is avad, and it can actually be translated in several ways. Yes, in a traditional sense, to work is to labor. However, this word can also be translated to mean to serve or to worship. It's a word that's used to describe the tilling of a field or the tending of a garden, but it's also used to describe those who minister to a king or those who are compelled to worship. Many of these terms are actually used interchangeably across different Bible translations because in the Hebrew language, they are so synonymous with one another that they can be hard to differentiate between when translating to English. As followers of Jesus, our work shouldn't just be a means for survival. It should be synonymous with the ways that we worship and serve God. If we could create our own English word for avad, we might call it workship. In this series, we'll hear stories from individuals who are actively viewing their work as a means of serving God and advancing his kingdom. We all have a job to do. Whether we're clocking in every morning or raising up little ones in our home, God calls us to do that job as service unto him. When we view our work as worship, we're ultimately redirecting the glory back to him and hopefully in turn inspiring others to do the same. In today's episode, which will be the last one of this series and of the calendar year, we get to hear from Abby Reiner. Abby is someone you may recognize as one of our worship leaders, but what you may not know is that Abby spends her days as a special education teacher. Working with children who have special needs has been a passion that Abby has had since she was a child herself. Now she gets to use that passion to share the love of Jesus with kids, both inside and outside of the classroom. And she has seen God at work in so many ways. I think her story is going to be so encouraging to you, especially if you have a student or teacher in your life. So let's hear from Abby. Abby, first of all, thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. And secondly, can you tell the story of how you ended up here?
1: Yeah, sure. So it was actually Sunday morning and you were chatting with Amanda Rock and she was preparing to be on the podcast to talk about faith and work. And you were sitting there and you were like, yeah, I need, I need another person. And I was just like, I looked over and I was like, hmm, i wanted to share my story about teaching and things like that. And you were like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. And so we touched base uh, about a week later and you were like, Abby, you I was praying for someone else to be on the podcast and specifically a female. And I was like, well, Monica, I've wanted to share my story about my job and just how God is incorporated in the teaching world and in my profession. And it was just kind of an answer to both of our prayers. So it was super cool that I'm here and be able to do this.
0: Yeah, definitely. When you told me that, when you were like, I've been wanting to share. I was like, are you kidding me? Like This is so (laughs) God to show up and to yeah answer that for both of us. So I'm so excited that this is the day and you're finally here to tell your story. So um, let's start off. For those that don't know you, can you just introduce yourself briefly? Sure. I'm Abby Reiner. Some of you,
1: if you see my face, um, I lead worship on Sunday mornings. I've been married to my husband, Jason, for three years, and he works here on staff. And I'm a middle school special education teacher. I am a graduate student. I'm also a coach and... I am a dog mom to our golden doodle Oakley, and I love him so much. Um, I come from a family of six. I'm the youngest of four children, three older brothers. All of them are married. All of them have children, whether they're here on earth or in heaven with mm-hmm. Jesus. And Jason and I love being an aunt and uncle, to um, Our eight-year-old niece, Ellie, and our three-year-old nephew, Sam. We enjoy spending time with them so much. I've attended Calvary since I was a baby, and... I visited so many other churches just in my days in college. And I have always been drawn back to Calvary and how much we focus on teaching God's word. Mm-hmm. And it's something I value so much. So I'm a proud member of Calvary Church and um, love that I've grown up here. I've grown up in our worship ministry. So I used to sing in King's Kids when that was a thing before yes. we started calling it Kids Choir. And then from there, I started doing girls ensemble, leading in student ministries, Uh, on Sunday mornings and then Tuesday nights when I was in college staying at C4 and I've been leading worship probably upstairs for about five years and I love doing that when I have the opportunity to. I've also been a part of study and share for the past three semesters, mm. and that has been one of the biggest blessings coming out of COVID. Finding a community of women that is intergenerational, and I know that's something we really focus on at Calvary, and the women there, like all of us, have stuck together for the past three semesters. Wow. And we've we've had some people come, we've had some people go, um, but there's been a core group of us that have stayed together, and it's been so encouraging. And then I also. I'm a part of our disability ministry, and I've been doing that for about 10 years. My role in disability ministries has changed throughout those 10 years, um, but right now I'm currently serving as a buddy to a little boy in third grade. He lights up my Sunday every time I see him, and I know that it is just an honor to be able to be with him on the Sundays I'm with him and then also serve the family so Mm -hmm. that they can participate and be active members of the service and not have to worry um, about their children while they're worshiping. Yeah. Sunday mornings. Yeah. So you're busy. I am very, <laughs> very
0: busy. Um, you said you coach. What do you coach? Uh, I coach field hockey. Okay. That's very fun. So you played field hockey when you were younger? Yeah. In high school uh, and
1: middle school, I played for, I played for six years.
0: Wow. So. so now you get to stay involved. Yes. I love it. That's so fun. So I want to get into why you got into the work that you're in, why you love working with Kids who have special needs, but I don't want to get too far ahead. So I'd love to just back up for a second and ask about what sort of your aspirations were when you were younger. So when you were like graduating high school, getting ready to go to college, what was the goal and what did you end up doing? Well... I, unlike some
1: other people, I would say that I've been really blessed with knowing what I've wanted to do since I was really young. Wow. And I always knew that I wanted to be a special education teacher. And so I knew I wanted to go to college to get an education degree and specifically focus on special education. Nowadays, the degrees are you get a dual degree. So you're I'm certified pre-K to four regular education and then pre-K to eight special education. Okay. So I went to Millersville. Millersville was not my first choice at all. I did not want to go there. Um, well, wait, wait, wait. Why did you go there then? <laughs> That's where the Lord wanted me to go. <laughs> um, so I had applied to multiple other schools Okay. and those doors just kept closing. And so hmm. I knew that when I got accepted to Millersville, there was like no stipulations prior to me going there of mm. like prerequisite things I needed to do because school wasn't always easy for me mm. um growing up. And I think that's also another part of why I want to be a teacher is because I struggled in school too sometimes. Okay. Anyway, so I went to Millersville and I was commuting to Millersville, okay. And was I happy about it freshman year? No, like, <laughs> all of my friends were moving away or going to live on campus somewhere, whether that was out of state or in state somewhere else. Mm. And I wasn't getting that experience that everyone else gets their freshman year of college. And Mm -hmm. I was living with my parents. Okay. Yep. And so there was many hard days and hard conversations and tears about it. I bet. Um, But I got plugged in at Millersville with a campus ministry called the Navigators. And a lot of people involved in the Navigators also commuted when I started as a freshman and Mm. sophomore. So it was great to find that commonality with these people are new to the school as well. They also haven't moved away from their family and they're here. And that's where I found some of my best friends. Some of the girls that I met there stood beside me on my wedding day Mm. and I I'm just so blessed by that ministry, even though for a while I was like, I do not want to be at Millersville, but that ministry truly blessed my four and a half years at Millersville. And besides Millersville being one of the best teaching schools in the state, it was just a great place to learn and get my education from.
0: Yeah. That's why I was so surprised that you didn't want to go there because Millersville is like (laughs) when people want to study education, that's where they go. So, wow, that is so... Clearly the hand of God though. Oh, for sure. That that's where he led you. Yeah. Wow. So what is the goal now? I mean, you said you're in grad school, so you're yes. continuing your education. Will you continue in the role that you're in, or do you have other thoughts? Um, yeah. So currently I am in
1: my master's degree program for educational leadership with a principal certification. Okay. And I'll talk more about that later, but um, that's a three-year program. Okay. And I am about a year and a half in. At the end of uh, this semester, I'll be about a year and a half in. Halfway there. Yes. <laughs> That's my, my bright light has been recently. It's been like, okay, I'm halfway, I'm almost halfway done. Yes. Um, so I wanted to pursue this degree because not only has education run in my family, but my dad's been in education for 35 years. And wow. of those 35 years, he's been a principal for 29 of them. That's incredible. And he has about two years left before he retires. So we're really excited for him. But I have watched my dad cultivate a staff community that is like an environment that is like no other. Mm -hmm. And um, the way he treats his staff and celebrates his staff and mourns with his staff is just so commendable. And I see how his servant leadership just shines through in everything he does and that's really inspired me to want to lead people and i've led people in multiple different capacities in my life Mm -hmm. but being a servant leader i think is one of the most admirable leaders leadership qualities there is Mm -hmm. also i grew up with a friend with down syndrome and in first through fourth grade uh, we were in the same classes together and teacher specifically put us in the same class together because we clicked. Mm. She had an aide with her. Sierra didn't always want to follow the directions of the aide. She didn't always want to follow the directions of the teacher, but like I somehow was able to get her to do stuff. And so if she didn't want to do something, I could go over and encourage her to do it. Or if she was I just remember a time in fourth grade where she was like in the library and obviously your like classroom libraries are typically super cozy. No one ever wants to leave them. Right. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't getting up. Oh no. (laughs) So I got there. I went down on her level and I said, Hey Sierra, like, let's go. Like, let's go do something else. And she got up. Wow. And so it's just like, it was then that I realized like, that's what I wanted to do because in fifth grade, my mom later on had told me that they purposely separated us in fifth and sixth grade because we were kind of dependent on each other okay and she would be going to a different middle school than I would in our oh, district okay since we have two middle schools and the other middle school just had more services that she needed mm-hmm. um and so it was then in fourth grade that I knew I wanted to be a special education teacher Wow and literally nothing changed that hmm. and I just think it's amazing that Like I said, like, I think I said earlier that I always knew what I wanted to do. Yep. And that's like, that's why. Yeah. Like God has just really given me a heart for the world of special needs and loving on them because those are the least of these, Mm -hmm. but really they're the best. Yeah. (laughs) Like they're the best of these in the world. Like I love people with special needs so much and all I want to do is see them thrive Mm -hmm. in life.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. So God was cultivating that in you from a young age, Yeah. that and your dad being in education. Yeah. I mean, there was a time when I like had a sliver of doubt about it
1: um, when I was trying to pass my praxis. Okay. And I had taken it three, like two times and mm. I had failed, but I had failed the special ed part of it because it's <sighs> two separate tests. Okay. And... I was just like, Lord, like, this is what I meant to do. Mm-hmm. Why can't I pass this test? Mm-hmm. But I've never been a good test taker. Mm-hmm. Never been a good standardized test taker yeah. as well. Yeah. And like the high stakes testing, that stresses me out. Yeah. I wish we could get rid of that, but that's another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> um. But third time, I think it was third time's a charm. I don't remember. It could have been the fourth time, but I did finally pass, which was a huge blessing. But it was one, of, like, it was a moment of... A sliver of doubt of yeah. Lord, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I know that this is the passion and desire you've given me, mm-hmm. but thank the Lord I passed, and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> but as for my goal for the end of this degree program, I don't know. Like the world in education has really changed over the past three years after mm-hmm. the pandemic, mm-hmm. and so do I want to be a principal someday. I don't know. Maybe. If that's what God wants me to do, or do I want to do something continuing in the special education field and be a director of special ed for a school district? That is something I would really enjoy since I have a heart for students with special needs. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my friends who I'm in my degree program with, we went to high school together. We went to Millersville together, and now we're in our master's degree program together. And she always, she'll make the joke to me that like, we'll be counterparts someday. (laughs) And I'll be the head principal because she doesn't want that responsibility and she knows I could do it. But I'm like, I'm right now I'm like, I'm not adequate enough to do this. And (laughs) she'll be my assistant principal. So we just joke about that, which keeps us like lighthearted throughout this it's a lot of work. And so it's good to have someone with me as well doing the program.
0: What has it looked like for you as you've been in the public school system? Obviously you have some limitations as to what you can and cannot say. So what has it looked like for you to live out your faith in your work?
1: Sure. I mean, the easy question is to just love people the way that Christ has loved people. That's Mm -hmm. the easy answer. Mm -hmm. Um, So to be the hands and feet in Jesus on the hard days and in the tough conversations or when my student has blatantly ignored me like five times and I've had to redirect them but like having the patience to not freak out about it. Mm -hmm. Um, The second easy answer is to tame your tongue and like not get roped into the gossip because it is so prevalent in a secular environment and it's easy to get wrapped into the drama of like, oh, what happened today with this person or this student or whatever? But it's like, speaking life in those situations or leaving the conversation when it feels uncomfortable. Right. But another big thing that I'm involved in at school is um, our FCA group, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And when you hear that, you're like, "Okay, is it only for athletes? No. Am I only involved in it because I'm a coach? No. Any student who's a Christian can come to this gathering we have on Wednesday mornings. It's at 7 a.m. And we as leaders, there's about eight of us teachers that come at 7 a.m. or before Wednesday mornings. Mind you, our contract time does not start till 7.40. So we are there at 7 a.m. with a gym full of about 75 plus fifth through eighth graders. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. We have seen the numbers continue to grow the past two years. And like this year, we've just been blown away by how many kids are willing to commit their time mm-hmm. to coming to school early, mm-hmm. being bold about their faith, because we're only in the gym for like 15 minutes before we go somewhere else. So not only are other students seeing their classmates and friends in this group, like that gives the kids an opportunity to tell them what they were doing, like before we go off to another area to do our devotional. And then it gives me an opportunity because there are plenty of teachers walking in the building between seven and seven 15 that see you in the gym or see me in the gym and are like, Oh, what were you doing? And that gives me the opportunity to share what I'm doing. Wow. And I think we have encouraged the students a lot this year that like what they're doing and coming on Wednesday mornings is such a bold thing to do. Mm. And to see these kids like on fire for the Lord and showing up week after week at 7am when they could be sleeping, like, but wanting to come and be with their friends, fellowship with them and get a little devotional to spur them on throughout the week Mm. is so encouraging. And it encourages me to be bold. Like I see them and I'm like, wow, they're making a bold statement. Like I need to be making a bold statement about my faith, which that has then led to Last year, a group of three girls approached me and were like, hey, we really want to have this girls club for seventh graders. And we were wondering if you'd be willing to host. Mm. And now the thing is FCA is before school starts. So it's allowed. Okay. Because during the day in the public school system, obviously we can't force biblical things during the day. Mm -hmm. So it's before school starts. So that's why it's allowed. Okay. So then I got into this tricky situation of, oh, these girls are asking me to have this girls club and they want to do it over lunch. Mm. And so my first instinct is, yes, I would love to do this. Like, this is amazing that you want to do this and want to unify the girls of your grade more, but then I'm like, okay, well, I'm a teacher and I'm obligated to certain things. So what is the right thing to do? Right. So I went to our leader of FCA and I asked him like, Hey, what's your advice? And I knew I was going to go talk to administration about it because I just wanted to protect myself. Mm -hmm. And so he was, he encouraged me to talk to our admin as well. And so I did. And my principal is not a believer from what I know. And, um, but she allows us to, um, have FCA, which is great. So She gave me some requirements of like what needed to happen because lunch is considered our own time. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're technically like off the clock. Okay. And so I could do not what I want with those 30 minutes, but like there's less guidelines. Okay. So I was able to host and be a host of these girls in my room. And so we met for, it was at the end of the year. So we didn't get to meet a lot, but the courage that these girls had and said like, Hey, we want to do this over lunchtime. Can you do this? And so, and they've just recently started back up. And I have a, a colleague who is now hosting in eighth grade because these girls are in eighth grade now. So I don't get to co as much, but they just started recently. So I'm excited to see where it goes and that they'll be able to have a full year. And they call themselves, they call it sisterly and it's so cute. Oh my gosh! Um, and they like prepare so much for it. And Aww. I just love that these girls, girls in eighth grade are willing and like have this desire to pursue like godly relationships with people mm. um, and girls in their grade because what a transformative time yeah they're going through yeah and how this world is changing too so I've just been really encouraged by that um, in one way that I share my faith and in school, there's also a prayer group. We also have a prayer group that meets. We started that last year. It's a group of teachers. There's about, it's a small group of us. And we meet on Tuesday mornings at 7.15. Okay. So again, before school. Yep. So Tuesday morning, 7.15 prayer, Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. FCA. <laughs> um, and it's just such an encouraging time because not only are we sharing like our prayer requests with one another. And it's a group of men and women teachers that we get to like share life with. So not only are we praying personal prayers, but we get to go to the Lord every week, whether we meet or not. Sometimes life gets in the way of of the busyness of school. And Mm so we sometimes are just praying separately in our rooms, but we're not only praying for each other, but we're praying for the students, the Mm -hmm. staff in our administration. And I just think with my future endeavors, like how encouraging it would be to know that there's people out there praying for me every week. Yes. And I've always, and I think this is going to encourage me to go tell my principal because I've always been like, wow, how encouraged would she feel if we went to her and said, hey, there's a group of us that pray for you every week because they deal with so much, Mm -hmm. so much as administration Yeah, and to know that like you, maybe you don't have a faith in Jesus, but like There's other people out there that care about you Mm -hmm. and want the best for you.
0: Yeah. And how many people out there can say that their relationship with Jesus started because somebody else was praying for them? So who knows? Yeah. One of my questions for you is how should we be praying for our students, our teachers, our administrators, especially those who are in the public school system? Yeah, that's a really good question, Monica. I think
1: there's so many challenges we're facing these days as educators. And i it's so hard. Like the kids these days are dealing with things that like you and I never really dealt with. Mm-hmm. The identity, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, that was a thing of people wanting to change or experience different things, but it was never so prevalent. Right, And now it is. And so how can I best love these kids no matter what they're going through? Mm -hmm. So I would say when you're praying for teachers and staff or administration or kids, like pray that their hearts would just be like protected from the enemy and that those that do know Jesus would love kids no matter what. Mm -hmm. Like so many times have I seen people Just brush off students. Hmm. And when I see the kids sitting on the floor in the hallway with their head down and hood up, I'm just like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Like those are the people I seek after. Like that's what God did. Like he sought after us. Yep. And when we were low, and I love those kids so much, more than the popular kid that everybody knows. Maybe it's because I wasn't the popular kid as a (laughs) in in school. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But like those are the kids, and I think those are the kids that like are drawn to me the most, mm-hmm. which is always interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just praying that these kids and these teachers would be protected from the enemy. And there's just so much misunderstanding that happens too, mm-hmm. and just that teachers would be given grace. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot on our plates. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, and we're given new things every day. Yep. And so, just for grace and patience and protection from the enemy.
0: Yeah. That's really, really good, Abby. So you've shared a little bit about how you've been able to live out your faith. And within that, you obviously have the opportunity to influence the people around you, whether that's your students or your colleagues. You mentioned earlier coaching, um, you're in grad school. So what areas have you been able to really expand into as far as loving like Jesus?
1: Yeah. So I think one of the, one of the big things, major things was FCA because that's before school, but also coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, I started, this was my second season. Um, and so it gets me out of my bubble of special education because I'm in a, I'm in a bubble and I see the same 10 kids every day and I really only know them very well. Mm -hmm. Whereas other regular ed teachers, they see 80, to 100 kids every day and they know 80 to 100 kids in that grade Mm -hmm. whereas I know like 15 maybe right right (laughs) so coaching got me out of that bubble Mm -hmm. and has really given me the opportunity to share my talents and my gifts with just another group of girls and I Um, gives me an opportunity to influence them and be a positive role model for them. Um, this year we've been, we were really blessed with really kind girls on our team and just like well-rounded girls. They might've not been the best at hockey, but we're only in middle school. It's okay. Right. Okay. (laughs) We might not have had a great season with our record, but it's fine. You're having fun. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's what my coach and I said to each other. Like, are we just here for the fun or are we here for the snacks? Not sure if we're here for the hockey. (laughs) But our motto was here for the snacks, okay? I love it. Thank you. Um, anyway, so it's just a great opportunity. And some of the girls on our team are believers too. Okay. And so there's just a way that I could interact with them. Not that it was different mm-hmm. than what or how I interacted with the other girls, but like say those girls are now coming to me at school saying like, hey, I'm dealing with this. What should I do? Wow. It's not just a relationship on the coaching field, right. okay? it's like now I'm someone they can look up to at school of someone they know that they can trust and maybe has similar ideas in their head or like, why is this happening? Like I remember one time when we were on the bus this year, we could tell two of our girls were like not getting along and they were best friends. And we we're like, what the heck is happening? You're pulling the team down because there are two best players. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to just sit down on the bus on the way to a game and hash it out, hmm. and it was just funny because one of them was like totally me in her eighth grade self, and the other one was totally my other coach in her eighth grade self, and so uh, all four of us just kind of got each other. Yeah, and so it's those moments that's like the teachable moments, the like teaching you how to be a well-rounded like person, yeah, not just a student or an athlete, but like how are you going to honor your parents because they do so much for you, right? They're Picking you up from practice, they're bringing your water bottle when you forgot it. Yeah, my mom wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> there was four of us, right? <laughs> um, so, just those like good qualities of a a person and a loving human being yeah. to to those around them.
0: Yeah, it makes me think of like we talk about the importance of our student group leaders here at Calvary. But it's like you're almost stepping into that role for some of these girls on your team and some of the kids in FCA, mm-hmm. like every day throughout the week yeah. at school in just a different capacity. Yeah. It's so interesting when we sort of step outside of like the constructs of what we know discipleship is supposed to look like. We can find it in so many different places, especially just in our everyday lives. Yeah, for sure. So. That's really cool that they have found confidence in coming to you.
1: Yeah. Even like we do like a little small group time during FCA and just like asking some personal questions. And so I could choose to either stand up and just watch what's happening or I can choose to sit down in a group. Yeah. And because I know the seventh and eighth graders the best and I know the eighth graders more than seventh graders, I'll sit in a group of girls with them. And it's just like we're asking real questions to them. about like things they might be struggling with. Mm -hmm. And one of the girls like the other week was just like, yeah, I'm struggling with the color of my skin. Hmm. And I'm like, wow. I just kind of, I was just like, I felt so bad, but I was like, I want you to know that it's not okay, that this is happening. Have you talked to someone about it? Mm -hmm. And She did, so it was good. But the fact that she had the, like was comfortable enough to share it with me. right? And then I followed up with her like the next week and I was like, hey, did anything happen? Like, did it get taken care of? How's it going? So just the fact that like these kids are willing yeah. to open up to a teacher right, in their building right, is amazing.
0: And what a privilege for you. Oh yeah, for sure. Have you been encouraged by the stories you've heard on Pursuing Life? God is doing a great work in the lives of his people. And we know that there are still so many stories to be told. Many of the stories you've heard on Pursuing Life have been told as the result of someone else's encouragement. At times, it's easy to recognize God at work in our stories, but other times, we need others to remind us of the good work they see God doing in our lives. So whether you have a story of your own or a story you want to encourage someone else to share, we invite you to submit those stories at calvarychurch.org share a story so that we can continue to celebrate the work that he is doing in, around, and through us. As we do that, we not only give God glory, but encourage each other as we pursue life in Christ together. Do you think that because you have the unique opportunity to only see like 10 or 15 students a day, that that has been helpful for you to really get to know them better versus if you were seeing 80 to 100 students?
1: Oh, definitely. I know. I feel like I know their quirks ins and outs, like inside and out. I know when they're not telling me the truth or I know when they're trying to get out of something Mm -hmm. and it's just, it's a cool opportunity because also with the... I teach seventh and eighth grade and it's learning support. And Mm -hmm. so, so these kids all have learning disabilities, whether that's in math, reading, reading comprehension, writing, reading fluency, things like that. Mm. And I specifically have our lowest kids in our building. Wow. So my kids are in seventh and eighth grade, but reading at maybe a third grade level or a fourth grade level. And I have the privilege of seeing my kids for two years in a row. That's really cool. not all the learning support teachers get to do that. Mm-hmm. And most of them I also teach math and ELA too. Okay. So I see them for both of those subjects. So I'm with them more in mm-hmm. a day. So mm-hmm. we get to know each other pretty well. And I think that's one of the coolest opportunities because like I talk about life with them. Like I let them know that I'm a real human being and I have things going on outside of school too. And then I get to know what's going on in their life and know the hard things that are happening in their lives. And I don't want them to get this like idea that a teacher is a robot because I know like when you're a kid, you're like, oh, my teacher sleeps at school. (laughs) She never leaves. No, she does. She has a life outside of school. I tell them like, oh, my grad school assignment was so hard this weekend. Yep. But it also relates to them. Yep. School is hard for them. Yep. So it's more of an opportunity. Like I take time out of my day every single day and we do something that has to do with social emotional learning. Okay. And it's a big thing right now coming out of COVID mm-hmm. with all just the mental health and some of my kids really struggle with stuff. And mm-hmm. so to be a person in their life that they can share with and it takes time sometimes to crack them. Yeah or they want to perform a certain way for me because they respect me and don't want to let me down because they've seen me for two years. Yeah, But I, I just love it. I People are always like, you teach middle school. And I'm like, yeah, but I love it. <laughs> like <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. I never thought I'd be a middle school teacher, but I love it because these kids are in such a transformative time of their yeah. life. Yep. And how amazing is it that I get the privilege? Yep. And like I don't take that for granted or lightly at all. Like I get the privilege to impact these kids every single day. Yeah. And really show Christ mm-hmm. in the way I care for them, talk to them, talk to their parents. Like especially as a special ed teacher, I do a lot of communication with parents. And mm-hmm. so how do I how do I show care and love, the love of Christ mm-hmm. to them, to the parents? Yep. When their kids are struggling in school all the time.
0: So. Yeah. I have a friend who's a teacher in a tough area and I have said to her on multiple occasions, like you might be the only person some of these kids see throughout their day, throughout their week, throughout nine months when you are in school, that is a positive influence on their life. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I say the same thing to you because so many kids, like we just don't know where they're coming from. And like you said, it is such a, privilege to be okay. able to do that. And I admire you for, for seeing it sort of as your way to spread the gospel. Yeah. So thank, thank, you, you. <laughs> thank you for, for viewing it that way. Yeah. Um, how have you seen God at work? I mean, you can answer this however you want, but have you seen him work in the students that are in your classroom?
1: Yeah. Like you said, these kids come from like some, I have some students right now that are dealing with some really hard things at home. mm and like you said, I might be the only positive person they interact with every single day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And how will I care for them while they're in my care? Right. How I love them. And I, I mean, there's a story I'd love to share about like a time I've seen God work with one of my students before I was a learning support teacher. I taught emotional support. Okay. Um, so I did that for the first year and a half of my job. I got a job in January of 2020. I was with my kids for three months before school shut down uh, and then tried to keep the connections on Zoom. And I mean, that time of my life (laughs) brought up a lot of anxiety and worry for these kids Mm -hmm. because I knew what the home life was like and I was like, this is not good. Mm -hmm. Anyway, bringing them back to school, was great but also came with the different challenges every day like we never knew what was gonna happen um but there was one time um when I was an emotional support teacher God worked a lot during that time
0: (laughs) with giving me grace and patience (laughs) let me tell you because when we all hear zoom we all like grumble shiver a little bit of like oh we don't want to go back there (laughs) no um but we were back in person and um
1: I'd really formed a connection with one of my kiddos that I had known since he was in sixth grade. And so he was in seventh grade at the time and he thrived on our connection and like making me proud, mm. okay? So these are all kids with behavior needs that I'm servicing. Yep. And um, so these kids have behavior charts and they bring them to me at the end of the day. We talk about points and throughout the week, we're trying to earn a certain point total. Anyway, he'd love to make contracts about... <laughs> About earning Mrs. Reiner's brownies, because apparently she makes the best brownies. Oh, boy. Little does he know, they're from a box. Oh, no. <laughs> they're from Aldi, and all I do is throw some extra chocolate chips in it, and apparently they're the best, okay? So, but I'll Aldi, take it. Aldi brownies are the best, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. Um, So, he always tried to earn Mrs. Reiner's brownies, because they're so good, uh-huh. um, and so he was working on like a longer goal behavior wise, maybe like a month goal okay. about earning a certain amount of points and he really just str- struggled with like disruptive behavior. Mm. Um so there was like a few he had to like earn a certain amount of points every day. Okay. And then each week. Okay. to earn this goal for the month, okay? Okay. And he like signs his contract whatever. So we like he wants me to write it up. I write it up whatever. Um but there there's a day that he doesn't get all his points. Uh-oh. And I was like, well, it happens. It's okay. Like everybody has a bad day. Try again tomorrow. Okay. We go on, whatever. So, I mean, a few days within those maybe three or four weeks, he didn't meet his point total. Okay. Mm -hmm. That could have been easily a no from me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he didn't earn his points. Right. And so that was an opportunity that I had to teach this student about the word grace. Hmm. And so I'll always remember this story. Um, so I told him, I said, you know what? I'm going to give you grace right now. And he didn't know what that meant. Mm. I knew his home life. I knew he probably hadn't been to church much. Probably never heard that word before. Yeah. And I said, grace is getting something you don't deserve. And he's like, oh, okay. And I said, and I'm going to give you these brownies. You didn't earn all your points, but <laughs> I'll give you these brownies because <laughs> you really worked hard. Yeah. And I saw a really tremendous change in his behavior and mm-hmm. his attitude. Mm-hmm. But the best part of this story is that not only did he remember what Grace was, he taught someone else. It was like a week or two later, there was another student in my room. Again, Mrs. Reiner had her brownies. Don't ask me why. I was making them a lot that year, okay? (laughs) Um, And so I noticed the student was like hanging his head low in my classroom. He wanted a brownie. But I was like, well, what did you do to deserve a brownie? Mm. I saw you in lunch detention earlier today. (laughs) Like, why would I give you a brownie? What'd you do? Yeah. This other student goes, you know what, buddy? Mrs. Reiner might give you a brownie because she gives something called grace. (gasps) And I was just like, what? You were listening to me? Like, oh my gosh, that gives me chills. Like, holy moly, he's listening. And like, that's got it work. Yeah. Am I really... Teaching the Bible to this child? No, but the way the words I choose to say Mm -hmm. and like, I don't know, was I crossing the biblical boundary of not bringing Bible into school that day? I don't think so. I'm just teaching them a new word that so happens to be a word we commonly use in the Christian world. Right. And he taught someone else about it. And I can guarantee you if you go ask him today, he's a freshman in high school now, like he'll tell you what it means. Wow. And I'll t- tell you the day that I gave him brownies when he didn't deserve it. Wow. But I just like that's a story that I'm never going to forget because it's just moments like that that you're like, oh, you are listening to me, even though you don't act like you are all
0: the time. Right, right. <laughs> well, and and it's that idea of some plant, some water, but God gives the growth. So it's like, who knows later on in his life, like, who else is going to come along and, and plant another seed or water that seed that you planted. And maybe one day he'll get to know the grace that Jesus offers him. Yeah. And that would be beautiful. Yeah. So would be amazing. I, I mean, I hope that those listening can pray to that end, that mm-hmm. these seeds that you're planting will be watered and lead to growth. And, um, not just you, but other, other teachers who are out there yeah, as definitely. well doing the same thing. Yeah. So, how else has your work helped to advance the kingdom of God?
1: I think like the classroom community that I create mm-hmm. because they're with each other all day long, mm-hmm. pretty much because I have them for math and language arts and then they're pushed out for science and History and their like elective classes, and they kind of all travel together, mm-hmm. um, just because that's how the support is needed, and just how the schedule lays out itself. And so I like I take a solid week of school to cultivate a classroom community and family. Wow, it might seem childish, but I I tell them at the beginning of the year I said I'm gonna read you picture books. I know that you're in seventh and eighth grade, yep. but some of the best lessons can come out of picture books. Wow. And so we read a book at the beginning of the year that's called Our Class is a Family. Mm-hmm. And it talks about different types of families and just like how a family doesn't just have to be someone that you live with. Right. It could be other people. Mm-hmm. And so I think in that way, because they're with each other all the time, even when conflicts arise, I have like a family meeting pretty much. And yep. I'm like, listen, this cannot be happening Because I literally had this conversation with kids in October, like beginning of October. I'm like, you are going to be with each other the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. And if this is how you're treating one another, and if this is how you're acting, it's going to be a long year. Yep. And so just making sure that like teaching them to be servants to one another, whether it's helping a classmate get their materials for the day, if they notice they're a little stressed or frazzled. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of high emotions in my class, as would any Middle school teacher. Yes. <laughs> but he, like specifically, like some of my kids are diagnosed with like emotional disorders. And sure. so how can we best serve them when they're feeling upset or um, angry or mad or sad? And I have seen kids countless times being like, oh, I'm sorry. Feel sad. Like, can I do anything for you? So just the opportunity for me to teach them what it's like, because and I, because I think back to these kids' home lives, I'm like, they might not have a core family. Yeah. Like, I think about how blessed I was to grow up with a fam, like a mom and dad in the same house, yep. loved each other, loved us, cared for us. There was food on the table every night. Like, mm-hmm. some of these kids don't have that. Right. So what can I do? And again, that just goes back to being like the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I show them that this is what a loving, caring relationship is like? Yep. And this is how a family works. Yeah, it has its quirks and it has its bumps. But like, how do we get through that? Mm -hmm. Because you're with each other all day long. Yep. Like, what are we going to do?
0: Yep. So you're essentially teaching them principles that Jesus teaches right in the scriptures. Yeah, for sure. Incredible. Without obviously doing it. Right, right. Without telling them that that's where it comes from. But you're modeling that Mm -hmm. for them. So that's awesome. Well, my final question for you is, How has your work grown you and how has it impacted your pursuit of life in Christ? The past two years in
1: education have been rough. Mm -hmm. There's no
0: doubt about it. Mm -hmm. The world of education has flipped
1: upside down. Yeah. However, that's how I started my career. So it's true. That's true. Yeah. I don't know anything different Mm -hmm. other than the student side of education. Right. I mean, I've had to lean on Christ daily, especially when I first started and it was virtual and just trusting that the Lord was going to protect my kids. Mm. Like I dealt with a lot of anxiety during that time of like, well, I haven't heard from this student and I haven't heard from that student. I hope they're okay. Mm -hmm. No other teacher has heard from them, but like we weren't at school and I wasn't going to like call them on my phone. Like right. there was other ways we could communicate, but truly trusting them like with open hands to God and saying, okay, these are your children. Mm-hmm. Protect them, please. Mm-hmm. Like from all the things. Right. So just leaning on him daily has definitely been something. I couldn't do my job as a teacher without Jesus. And I don't know how other people do it. I truly don't. And pursuing life in Christ is just giving it all to the Lord every day. Mm. Literally a few weeks ago, I can remember a moment in my classroom and it wasn't even an hour into the school day and I had already felt defeated and I had already felt worn down and I was like, I could go home right now and we weren't even an hour into school. Mm. But it was that moment that I either could have a really bad day and keep that attitude and let it play into my teaching and my reactions to my kids, or I could give it to the Lord. Mm. And I remember I was like walking around my room and I I sat back down in my chair at my desk and I just like turned and faced the wall and I looked up. I don't know if worship music was playing or not. That's like one thing I really love to do in the morning because I have my prep in the morning. And so I like love to start my day off just kind of playing worship music. And then it just gives me a sense of peace in the morning. Mm. But I remember just sitting there and praying like, God, please give me peace today and give me patience and give me grace when Mm -hmm. it's hard. Mm -hmm. And truly, I don't think looking back, that's something I would have done like a year or two ago in my classroom. And I've, it's just some way that I've really grown on like the job of a teacher, no matter what you teach is hard but like a special education teacher, it just, it has another level yeah. and layer to it. Yeah. There's a lot on the line. And so knowing that like anything that happens that day is, is the Lord's like, I might not execute the lesson or I, they might not master their goal. Right. But did I give my best and the Lord has, he pushed me and spurred me on to give my best and I just think it's it's been interesting to reflect. I'm a big reflector of my teaching and just see how my relationship with the Lord has really changed over the past three years since I've started teaching mm-hmm. and just how it plays into my role of leading the future generation.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for stepping out in faith and <laughs> offering to share, first yeah. of all, and for the ways that you sacrifice but also live intentionally every single day with your students and i just hope and pray that this is an encouragement to others and we'll be praying for you as you continue in your school year because i know that god has really big things really big good things planned for you (laughs) thanks monica yeah thank you abby yeah thank you i'm so grateful for abby's heart and for her willingness to share Before you go, I want to encourage you to pray for Abby and for our teachers and administrators and students. Whether or not you have someone specific in mind, pray, as Abby said, that they would be protected from the enemy. Pray for grace and patience and for God to continue to work in hearts and lives, causing growth and fruit in the seeds that are being planted and watered each and every day. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Pursuing Life podcast so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. We'll be back in January with all new stories of how God is working in, around, and through the people of Calvary Church. But until then, Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. And until next time, thanks so much for tuning in.